McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Pompey fans. Most Pure Forecast episode 167. Well, the 1-1 curse ends as Pompey mix it up with a 0-0 draw at Holmes Derby County. During the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Hi, I'm not so bad, Hugh. Yeah, I had a lovely weekend. Went over and saw my grandma on the Isle of Wight and my dad was there as well. Very relaxing few days. Completely forgot about the game on Friday, which I went to live, which is probably a good thing. But now prepping for this podcast, it's reminded how annoyed and upset I am. So that's a brilliant start, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? On the other hand, I had quite a quiet weekend for me, especially. Didn't have a beer or anything and I didn't make it down on Friday. I wasn't really that well at the end of the week. Whether that's because I was just not too well because I got ill. Or whether it was I wasn't too well because I'd partied pretty hard for two weekends in a row. I'm not really quite sure which, but didn't manage to make it down on Friday. Probably the latter, isn't it? Could be. Could be option two. Yeah, not going to lie. But at the same time, made it to work, did all that, and now I feel fighting fit again to to go again. You enjoying the World Cup? Yeah, well, I've I've watched a bit of it. Yeah, I watched the England game in a bar. England were quality. They they made Iran look incredibly ordinary. Stuck six past them, obviously. Nice job. Still uncomfortable with all the uh, the off-field stuff with the Qatar World Cup, but I am watching the football and enjoying it for what it is. Partially hypocritical because I haven't boycotted this competition, but I have boycotted the EFL Trophy, so there we are. <laughs> I don't know if that, what that says about me, to be honest with you. but uh. I think you've done the big thing there. That's the big miss, isn't it? don't want to miss those games. The World Cup's whatever, but you know, you're doing it anyway, but EFL Trophy... Yeah, that's the big one to miss, really, Obviously isn't it, the Brent? most important competition. And the most important goal was the one that Dane Scarlett scored about five minutes ago. <laughs> I was about to say, it's so important to us that we're currently recording whilst it's on. Yeah. Yeah. It has to, has to be done. <laughs> Incredibly important. All right, Fred, one second. Let's crack on to it. No Andy Mitchell this week. He is doing something. I'm not even sure what he's doing today, but he is not available. So it's me and Fred. So first of all, we're going to review the game against Derby. Follow on from that, we're going to have a little bit of an update on the injury news and what we think is going on there. And then we put a question out to you guys. And thanks to everyone who messaged in. We really appreciate it. Makes the show and all that. And we said, can this side get promoted in its current state? And if not, what needs to change? And finally, we've got friend of the show, Liam from the MK1 podcast to preview the massive game, the game that everyone's thinking about this week, not Friday's game, on Saturday at home to MK Doms in the FA Cup. Right. Let's get into this derby game, Freddie. A spectacle to watch, an attacking masterclass, you could even say. Pompey only managed one shot on goal 
thanks to thanks to Magic J Mingy at the end, just thinking, shit, we have to get one on target. Well, that's going to be the headline. So he manages to dribble one through at the end, not for a lack of effort, because I just thought J Mingy is pretty good in this game, but we'll we'll come back to that. But Freddie, the best chance of the game sort of comes at the start, doesn't it, for Derby with McGoldrick and, and his little scummer shot, which hits the bar. Yeah, it was a good header by him. Um, he proved to be a handful pretty much most of the game. Um, the ball stuck to his feet. He was able to he was able to bring it outside of his feet, link up play very nicely, um, a proper outlet. Um, compared to James Collins, who I barely noticed at all. <laughs> I, I, I can't even remember a lot of the Derby County forwards. They were just, in some cases, just as uncreative as I'd imagine. But no, apart from that, and then the... Um, I think it was Craig Forsyth, where the ball came from, from, I think, a free kick or a corner, and Craig Forsyth was on his own at the back post, and it just hit his knee wrong, and it went right on the side netting. That's the only other major chance I even remember from the game. Both sides struggled offensively. It was beyond it was beyond conceivable doubt, just by, just by watching it anyway. For some reason, the XG, according to Scout, have... Derby at 2.28, which is mental. I, uh, that's one of those where I don't see it. I don't see it just watching it at any rate. Um, but yeah, this game was a case, unfortunately a case study for many things. It was a case study for how time wasted can completely kill off a game. A, a Derby player sat down on the 75th minute and then that was it. I might as well have just walked, walked all the way home because nothing else happened after that. Yeah, and the refereeing was at that point poor because he wasn't strong enough to deal with the time wasting he wasn't strong enough to deal with the cynical fouls because whenever Pompey got on the break Derby defender or midfielder hacked them down for a yellow card fine but there was not enough strength from the referee there to do anything about that and it was a case study of Pompey struggling to create anything going forward against a team that has three at the back which can turn into a five which can fill a penalty area because we've seen that shed loads of times there's a case study for how how slow the build-up is between the back four going from the left back to the right back. Um, and then there was no support from the midfield either, dropping deep. So the ball had to go to Griffiths, who would launch it long. And it looked eerily familiar to squads of of yore. It was, uh, it was an incredibly disappointing game. And honestly, looking at, looking at that match in isolation, I wouldn't give promotion, a chance of promotion to either team. Just by watching that game, it was pretty pitiful display. Derby also played on a chit on the Tuesday, didn't they? And had to turn it around to play on the Friday. So I was sort of hoping that Pompey might be able to take advantage of them, having a few players that maybe had to play in the cup competition that might be a bit tired. I know, I know they rotated the team a little bit as well in that game, but still you hope when there's only a couple of days in between that maybe Pompey can take advantage. But let's have a look at some of the positives from this game. I thought Owen Dale did pretty well down the right-hand side. He created a couple of the only real clean cuts. Well, not even clean cut, but a couple of chances there for Pompey. He did really well against Sibley, I thought. He forced forced him back on the left wing back situation. He clearly had pace of him. He had a chance where he, he got round the he got round the back of him, put a ball in the box. Connor Ogilvy probably should have squared the header, I think, but sort of tried to fire it in into the back of the net. Let's be honest, who can blame him at the moment? We need to get balls on net. And I think he just thought this is a good opportunity to get a chance. And he took it and unfortunately went over. Another chance, I suppose, that Robertson created a lovely ball going to Dale. And then again, Dale gets in behind, sort of squares the ball to the penalty spot. Keeper gets gets an arm on it. Could have gone anywhere. Could have gone to Bishop. Didn't know. Bobbled around. 
What I was a little bit frustrated about, Fred, watching this game is when you look at who we had and how disappointing we'll come on to on the left-hand side where Josh Karoma was, if you divide the pitch into three sections of left, right and middle, 50% of our attacking player going to Oxford down the left-hand side? Well, I yeah. don't really, I don't really remember anything happening from that left-hand side wing position. On I think, the it, was where, I think it was where, literally whenever the ball went to the left-hand side, that's where creativity just jumped into a grave. Honestly, that's what happened. If but if Pompey collected the ball in the centre and played it to the right, if Derby pushed everybody back and locked the penalty area, they tried to switch it to the left, and that was that's just where no creativity came from. Like you said, I thought Owen Dale on the right-hand side had a good game. Swanson had a good game linking up with him, in my opinion. Mingi had some good surging runs forward in the centre of midfield at any rate. But his lack of movement around the defensive area, I think that's a big issue still. He seems to be, I know he's only young, but he still is he, he a centre midfielder. He hasn't got the all-round game yet. Haven't Didn't notice his pack much, but I know he put in some key tackles in certain scenarios. But that left-hand side before the 61st minute, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. Um, doesn't, no. And you can argue whose fault it is. No, I'm just going to say it's Josh Graham's fault. I'm sorry. I don't want to bash a player. But when he came off in the 61st minute, it changed the game. Pompey had a, about 10, 10 minutes, quarter of an hour where they were zipping the ball around in the final third. It was because... Again, Josh Grider likes to go go narrow and cut in, which he did. I remember him doing a very reasonable side foot pass to one of our attackers on the edge of the penalty area a few times. That was decent. But it doesn't fit when you've got two, two strikers wanting to drive into the penalty area and he doesn't put a cross in. He doesn't uh, look for Ogilvy on the overlap when he, when he actually does that along that side to create some space. He seems that his movement off the ball around the final third isn't brilliant either. It's as if he lets the play go by him and then drifts into the centre, and it doesn't. It doesn't really work. It, 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 it's it's really not there. It's really not there. And his total League One stats, he has twenty three point five percent crossing accuracy, and he's made seventeen crosses in the league, and five of them were against Fleetwood, which was his best performance. So. If you want to be harsh, take that game out, and you got and he's made twelve crosses in all his appearances so far, which isn't many for a team where they look the most dangerous by getting balls in the box. It just doesn't work. It really doesn't work, and it, and it was stark that even though Curtis has been largely out of form this season, when he came on, he, ch- he changed the game and gave Pompey his only positive period of play. He was an outlet on uh, out wide positionally. For Conor Ogilvy, he won aerial duels, which able to link Bishop a bit more. He wasn't afraid to put the ball in the box, even though his crossing accuracy wasn't brilliant that game. It changed it and it gave Portsmouth a period of positivity, even though they didn't have a shot on target from it, which is a whole another story entirely. But yeah, they, they need to change that left-hand side at the very minimum. If you're not going to do a formational change, you need to change the left-hand side. It just clearly doesn't work. Yeah, Curtis came on and was attributed to two successful dribbles in that time as a substitute coming on. Jay Mingy got four, leading leading uh, all players on the pitch. But to come on and make two successful dribbles, and I remember a couple of them as well, cutting inside, beating players, creating space. He got taken down, I think, for a foul at one point as well when he could have maybe opened them up a little bit more. But I think Curtis, if you're not going to change it, you're right, has to start. And the only other option is you potentially put Denver Hume on that left-hand side. as we've, He's we've never doing about. that. 
We, we, he, he would have done it by now if he wanted him to, because Curtis and Cromer have both been out of form at the same time. If Cowley wanted to play Hume as a winger, he would have played him. I think he's playing left back in this EFL Trophy game, purely because well, probably just to get him some minutes under his belt, even though he doesn't trust him defensively. It, it's strange. I think that's another decision when you, you got to think of in January for Danny Cowley. Do you stick or twist to Denver Hume? Because if you're not going to play him left back and you're not going to play him left wing and you're not going to change your formation, what, why is he here? You might you might as well move him, on, move him on so he can move on with his career and use his wage gap difference to uh, try and bring someone else in. I don't get it. Yeah, he's not really in the shot window at the moment, is he? Considering how we're utilising him, I suppose. And I suppose we'll talk about the ch- a change in formation as the podcast comes on, Fred, and then maybe utilise him in that position but I still think if he went to wing backs he's probably just going to put Conor Ogilvy out left at left wing back don't you reckon um, yeah we'll talk about it in more detail when we get there and, and Conor Ogilvy's played okay in those scenarios but out of the centre half we have why, why not play him at left side of centre half play Raggett in the middle and I know you're playing Robertson on his wrong side on the right, right side of centre half but he's also fairly reasonable at passing so you've got Three proper centre halves, and you got Morrison as the or the other one. Connor Connor, he's been okay at wing back, but he just he doesn't offer enough going forward to warrant the system change. Really, in my humble opinion, anyway. No, I think I'd rather him be on the left hand side of a three. That's where I think I'd like to see him play because he can play well in that position. So yeah, all right, Fred. Is there anything else you want to talk about on the derby game before I move on? It's not a very eventful game. Let's be honest. No, no, it wasn't a very eventful game. A lot of people were annoyed there were some boos at the end of the game take it or leave it to be honest I think Pompey's XG was 0.61 fair enough it's what you would expect and again I think this is so many games in a row where the, where their passes to the final third and progressive pass passing accuracy has been higher and above the opposition so it's not the play from the midfield to the final third that's the issue it's just to play from the final third into the penalty area or to the strikers where it's just not going anywhere and you just look at it by the expected goals rank Pompey. If you not to take the table seriously in terms of points for expected goals, but Pompey are now dropping in that regard. They are fourteenth in League One for expected goals with twenty five point nine one, and they're not underperforming it either. They scored twenty six goals, so then they're basically if you treat if you treat that quality of chances stat as gospel, thoughts were pretty much there. I think that four of those goals were penalties, and I think three of those were corners. So 19 goals in open play, if you want to count that as well. Compared to sides that are looking to get promotion, that's not there. It just isn't. Defensively, we're defensively fairly solid still. I've never doubted the 4-4-2 formation in terms of defensive stability for literally most of the game. There's like the odd defensive hiccup, but that's where pretty much most of most of Portsmouth's conceded goals come from, but there are other issue, issues with it and that, I think that's many personnel in that regard. But yeah, not creating enough chances and that's largely down to the reason I think they've got, Pompey's got five goals in their last seven League One games. And that's the sort of statistic that can basically kill off promotion at any rate. Yeah. Something needs to change. We'll come on to that in the listener question. Let's move on to the injury news, Fred. You've got a nice little quote there. There's been some... A lot of speculation, isn't there? What's going wrong with these players? Tom Lowry out injured again after being injured before. 
some people blaming the medical staff. There's rumours going around about that. The pitches, or is it to do with the training regime? What What did Danny Cowley have to say, Freddie, about this? Yeah, this was this was after the Morecambe game, but I thought it was interesting to just bring up anyway. He was incredibly annoyed that he was out of the lineup um, initially. Larry was supposed to have a one B grade hamstring tear, which is if you're going to have one, that's one of the like the more treatable ones. And when asked asked about it in post match about the injury situation and about if Tom Larry is available to action, he said, "I don't know. You got to ask someone else. We keep getting these recurring injuries. They're going to kill us." They'll stop us achieving what we want to achieve. We've had too many that have come back. Tom has broken down four times. It's unacceptable. We need to resolve it and resolve it quick. These are key players for us. And there's obviously some more stats and basically some more um, anecdotes. And essentially, he, there are rumours about him dobbing the medical staff in the um, in one of the interviews by basically saying they're not, they're not good enough. There's also, like you mentioned, the idea that either the training pitches aren't good enough, whether it's Danny Cowley's training regimes, forcing players to come back when they're not fully ready, or it could be horrendous bad luck as well. There's always that scenario, which I highly doubt because of the sheer amount of injuries we're getting. There was also something on Twitter that got the Pompey fans to the ruffle where somebody basically said, I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have the tweet up because I don't trust it as a source. I said, oh, I'm close to someone near the medical staff. Players don't like Cowley because of the training methods. The medical staff are fine. Well, yeah, he would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> if Cowley basically just said all of them were rubbish in the media, um, subliminally, it's a bit of a mess, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. Um, Cowley mentioned in another article. He's hoping that Hughes, since he's came in, he's he, he's been asked about how they're going to sort out the injury issues, how they're going to make those changes. He's going to put in potentially some news philosophies or he's going to ask a lot of people around the club about it. So yeah, it's definitely on the, I don't think that's the last we've heard of it. I think there may be some, there may be some changes. That's based off no knowledge whatsoever, by the way. I always have to pre preference that considering my job, but it just, if it's coming up in news articles that often enough, something might, something will have to happen, won't it? Yeah, well, let's hope Hughesy comes out and fixes it. Because it's gonna if it's a systems issue, the good thing about that is that something can be changed. If it is an issue of how we're doing things and how we're setting up with the medical staff or whatever it is, training regimes, that should be something that the sporting director hopefully can have a look at himself and then from there can hopefully make those changes sooner rather than later, preferably. Yeah, let's just hope that works out. All right, should we move on to the listener question? Because this is the bit of the show which people want to listen to and the bit that we appreciate as well for messaging in. So Thank you, everyone, again, who sent in a message. We really appreciate it. We said to you guys, can this side get promoted in its current state? And if not, what needs to change? Tim Foot messaged in and says, I think we're still suffering the impact of injuries right now. As players come back, we'll pick up again. I like the impact Hume made recently and would like to see him get more minutes. The qualities of balls into the box has been poor and chances have dried up for the front too. Fred, I think it's fair to say that there's a, there's a section of the fan base as well who, who are sort of feeling the strikers aren't performing. But I think it's got to be down to the service, really, hasn't it, to those strikers? And Tim pointed out that Hume could put, you know, better balls into the box. OK, you think Danny Cowley won't do it. But in theory, if you were the manager, Fred, would you put Hume out wide and just get him to batter some balls into the box for the front two? Well, yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I'll give it a go because both, both, both left-wingers haven't 
pulled out trees this season. I think considering Curtis's performance on last Friday, he probably has the start against against MK Dons in the FA Cup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't complain about that at all. But I think considering that's where Pompey created most of their chances from, I think more emphasis has to be put on attacking players wanting to challenge their fullbacks and put a reasonable ball into the box because you've got, you've got Colby Bishop who always seems to be in the right area in the penalty area. Dane Scarlett, when he makes very, very good runs down the channel in between the defenders, he gets on the end of crosses as well. And when I say a slight focus on Trossing, I don't mean that's all, all the players do. It has to be a mix. It has to be a mix going forward, doesn't it? We don't want to go back on the Kenny jacket where literally that's all the, all the side did, putting balls into the box over and over and over again. That, that's depressing. But I think they've, they seem to have gone too far the other way where they are switching it around the penalty area way too much and it's a bit too slow. And then the opposition can simply pack the penalty area and that's it. Whether it's a cross, whether it's a through ball or not, that it's easy to defend against at that point. So yeah, it's um, I would try Denver Hume. I wouldn't mind that, but I expect Curtis to start in the next game on Saturday. Ports was crossing accuracy in all in the league. I got it up now when I applied my filters. Uh, yeah, the crossing accuracy in the league is 33.6, averaging 16.12 crosses per 90. 33.6 is probably about average for League One. I don't have the comparison with the rest of the clubs in front of me. But considering that that is, you know, <laughs> considering that's your, that's your main form of um, chance creation anyway, it's pretty poor. And compared to the rest of the clubs, also a 13th in crossing accuracy, so around mid-table. And that's where ex- roughly their XG has fallen to compared to the other League One clubs as well. So uh, make it make of that what you will. Tyler messaged in and said, is there a striker on your radar you'd like to see brought in on a permanent in either January or in the summer? Realistically, need to sort out the attackers who can hit the target on a regular basis. We haven't been looking at new strikers yet, Tyler. We will have a look in January, when the build-ups of January for the January transfer special podcast, the players think we should get in. Uh, well, the position is- we'll be looking at, though, because Cowley came out in the news and said he, wa- he wanted a full striker as an option or a fourth attacker who could also play wing. So that's definitely something we'll be looking into when, uh, during that period when we, me and Hugh sit down in front of some spreadsheets and have a look. So yeah, uh, I don't want, obviously we don't, we both don't want to recommend a player on no knowledge whatsoever. So we're not doing that at the moment. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into a bit more detail of that as the season progresses, but just coming off that point, Fred, for me, we're not creating any chances because we haven't got, somebody maybe in the slot in the number 10 position in the cam role who's sort of linking up play a little bit here when you've got two we talked about the 10 yeah i know but it depends in what system you're playing doesn't it and when you've got two strikers up front and they're not getting any chances really to to score it's got to be seen as a bit of a luxury hasn't it really because you've got two players that really aren't doing much to contribute not from their own fault just the fact that i don't see them linking up and creating chances, getting getting balls in attacking positions inside the box. When you look at the heat map from the other game, the other day against Derby, neither striker had really any touches in and around the box either. So do you, do you think we can just, just drop one of those strikers now, put someone into cam, 
change the system and hope then that the midfielders, people like Mingy, for instance, when he carries the ball, has someone to play the ball into, which opens teams up. Yeah, we mentioned, didn't we, about changing to another formation, maybe a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, depending, just to get some extra bite in the midfield. I'm leaning more towards that now, given the last few games, and we're still not really creating, possibly still not really creating anything. And when we talk about this, it doesn't have to be like a major change where you switch that formation and never go back to the 4-4-2 ever again. Why not change it for just a few games? Especially against sides that are playing three at the back or five-man midfields where the, the wing-backs properly get involved and they're not defensive. Having that extra outlet might be, it definitely seems to be a good idea. Um, it might even be a case of it, you, if you potentially looking at a move in this in January for, you know, a more, a more aggressive midfielder that's not that's not an eight or a six, a potentially more creative player at any rate. But no, I definitely think they they have to change that formation now just to put a bit more bite and more control into that midfield. Because it seems whenever Pompey have a lot of possession in games, they don't do a lot with it anyway, which is frustrating. Or either that, if the opposition have more possession, then it's good to counter-attack with a 4-4-2. But how many games have Pompey been blown away possession-wise this season? Probably against Ipswich, against Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth for about half of the game, do you think? More often than not, Pompey are going to have more possession in games purely down to the quality of player they set up with. And mid-table to lower lower clubs in, the, in League One come into front parts get draw. That's just how it is. They have to be, they have to be better of how they make the most of possession, which has been an issue for years under different managers, under different personnel, under different styles of football, and that's frustrating. And that's why the fans are getting annoyed and they're frustrated with the way Portsmouth are currently playing and why they think they're not going to get promoted. Most of them. Barney messaged in and he says a formation tactical switch up. I don't buy the we've got loads of injuries excuse. Every team gets injuries. It's how you adapt when you don't have everything going your way. Cowley seems unwilling to adapt to the situation whatsoever. No, I agree with him. Um, I agree with that comment. He, he should have changed the 4 2 by now purely because of the players coming in. Yes, I know we had our fifth and sixth tourist centre midfielders in games sometimes this season. And that's not ideal. But come on, I mean, it's been an issue that not creating enough chances for the strikers. So it doesn't matter how many strikers you play if the service to them is poor. Um, it's quite obvious that having in, having inside forwards on the wing in this side doesn't work. Because how many times have we seen Curtis on the left wing in some games, Karoma on the left wing in most games, even Hackett on the right wing on his left foot? It, it, it creates to an unbalanced unbalanced attack doesn't it where, there, where there's not enough service to those strikers which and there has to be some changes there I think it has to be and the unwillingness to keep going with the formation and trusting that process even though the stats are coming up in a lot of the games and they're not working it's concerning it, it, it is concerning that Cowley's been I would say a bit stubborn with that, with that formation I still trust him more during the games because whenever he makes a sub most of the time it makes an impact the Curtis substitution being a big one but yeah I, th- I think now there has to be a change we've seen, we've seen it enough and you could even go with a 3-5-2 with a cat with, with a cam if you wanted have Owen Dale sort of in a freer role where he can move around and go out wide if he wants 
maybe an asymmetric three five two. Then, if you if you like, give Dale a free roll like Jacobs had last season because I think he's good enough to play that. Just something a little bit extra because then you have the wing backs helping there and the two midfielders as well. I think that would be a massive change. But no, I just think he's going to go with the four four two until maybe he changes some things in January with different players. I think. Um, that's going to be incredibly frustrating. I know. Oh, yeah. Incredibly frustrating. And just, just the level that if you have someone in that in that role, the free role, what it means is centre-backs have to step in a bit. They have to push up to to close down the attacking midfielder. And then when you've got people like Bishop or, or Scarlett or whoever it up creates front, more chances for them, yeah. because that, that space for them yeah. to run into. Yeah, that asymmetric 3 5 2 idea, which I might have just pulled from the gutter. Um if Dale's in that free roll moving around, someone has to mark him. That creates extra space for through balls we put into Scarlet and Bishop. And you keep the partnership there, which I've liked the partnership up front most of the time as well. So that potentially changes some things. And, it, and out, out wide, that's probably the one of the weakest parts of the midfield. Whenever he's fit, I like most of the centre midfielders Pompey have as well. So I think that's the area really. Um or if you're going to stick with the four four two, you need you need a new winger, a new left winger in January, in my opinion. At the very, at the very least, I, I don't think the Chroma signing has worked. I think it should be recalled in January, in my opinion. It just it just definitely just by the first two games are really good, but then ever since it's dropped off a cliff for me, and for a lot of our fans as well. I just think we need a, just a a left footed left winger who's got an excellent delivery and isn't afraid to attack a fullback. And it's got good movement off the ball, a la I know in Dale on the left hand side, um, potentially. And you might have to wear mark a replacement for Owen Dale if he gets recalled. Because if Owen Dale gets recalled, then what, what are you going to do then? You may as well change the formation at that point if you don't trust any of your wingers to do anything. Well, then you haven't got any actual, really efficient out and out wingers, have you? I mean, you haven't at all. So you got, you got, inside, you got inside wingers on their wrong feet, which. Yeah sometimes has worked and we've seen it uh, we've seen inside wingers and inside forwards create chances when they cut inside if there's an overlapping fullback and it also brings the defender out of position as well which is nice but I think we've seen enough of it this season where it hasn't worked for Pompey when they've always looked incredibly imbalanced with wingers on their wrong feet especially when they're on both sides for the only other person who could play wing is Michael Jacobs and his injury record has been horrible this season he's back training and Cowley said he's hopeful of him being available for selection against Wickham. Still a mile away, or and you going to trust him that much given his injury record this season? I said I certainly wouldn't. It's definitely good, a luxury good, good player. player to have in the squad. Good player, yeah. but if he's going to be injured for half the season, then why would you have him? Why would you put faith on him being selectable in the first place? John English messed in, and he says I thought he played better compared to other games. It's just frustrating that we can't seem to score and sometimes it's like our defence which is off. I still fully trust the Cowleys to get us promoted but you might have to ask Barton which formation to use. In jest, he says. Yeah, Joe Barton, tactical genius. I, I think we did play better in some of our build-up in this game. It was defensively pretty solid. A few problems. But, but at the same time, if you don't create any chances, you're not going to win games, are you? And that's a really boring sort of cliche reference or whatever but at the same time we need to change it up really to cause people problems 
there's no point playing one winger on one side, he can put the ball into the box, one inverted wing on the other side, he won't cross, and then having two strikers up front without anyone behind him in the cam roll, and then two flat centre mids. It's not yeah, exactly. Working. Yeah, and it's and other sides have already set the blueprint for how to defend against Pompey at Fratton Park as well. Loads of sides who maybe would just want to draw out of the game or a bit more are just going to fill the penalty area up and sit in a low block and go on the counter, which they're perfectly right to because that's probably the that's the most dangerous way of playing against Pompey a lot of the time if you think you're not going to ma- match them going forward anyway. Chris Harris messaged in and he says Eisner's vision. Change the vision of the ownership, Freddie, in order to change the team around. Yeah, well, I understand why he's saying that, because if you're just looking at this bad period in isolation, you'd think this side hasn't improved at all, even with the same, even with different personnel, different manager. It's the same problems of lack of creativity, which are, which are popping up in key games, and that's the difference between promotion and not. So, yeah, understandable he's saying that. I wouldn't go that far, but... Yeah, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to just say there's no reason to be frustrated about this side at the moment because there's plenty There's plenty of reasons. Ollie Joel messes in. He says, no, simply not. I wish it did, but the Eisners don't want promotion. I think it's an odd one when people say that an ownership group don't want promotion because even if you're trying to sell the club, it, it's worth a fuckload more if you actually sell a championship club than a League One club. Don't yeah, I, don't, I, I don't get that comment either because even in the shorter term, if your side gets promoted and gets relegated again, you've got parachute payments. You have the increased TV money for going into the championship. You have the increased revenue share in the football league as well. Pompey would be a much richer club if they get promoted. But, you know, I, I'm not going to go into conspiracy than the, the ISIS wanting to just boost up the facilities and keep Porsche in League One until they sell it. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far at all, really. I mean, that's a bit much. Like we said earlier, there's a, there's there's plenty of other more realistic reasons why to be pissed off about this team. There's plenty of them. Something that came up in the trophy game that I was just scrolling through Twitter, Hugh. Portsmouth have made four subs and according to the official club account, they look as if they were setting up in a 3-4-3 for the last 20 minutes. Ooh. That's interesting. It's yeah, but it, it, it makes you think, is it being considered? They're getting the reps in for for Saturday. Saturday would be a good game to try it as well. Because for all, you know, you want to go through, we want a massive away day somewhere, don't we, in the third round. But at the end of the season, when it's all tallied up, people aren't really going to be like, well, we didn't get through to the third round if we make it into the playoffs. So for me, against an opposition who will come on to talk to Liam about this from the MK1 podcast, but who are struggling, is well-documented, in our league as well, who play three at the back. This could be an opportunity for us to try and play this formation against MK. Be interesting to see how it progresses as we're recording. Maybe it will it will potter along and Pompey will create some good chances. Do you know who's playing up top, Fred? Uh, I'll quickly bring up the tweet again. Uh, I saw it on my um, tweet deck, but it, the problem is it has loads of little mini columns, so it hasn't got all the information on at times. Uh, but I know that Pompey made four subs. Yeah, the four changes were just letting it go up. Um, Colby Bishop, Zach Swanson, Sean Raggett, and Clark Robertson coming on. Connor Ogle, VJ Mingi, Rico Hackett, and Kieran Freeman coming off. That was on the 67th minute. And then afterwards, yeah, on the 70th minute. 
looks as if we're shaping up in a 3-4-3 formation following the substitutions um, and the club has put it as Oluwiemi and goal with Morrison, Raggett and Robertson and then the midfield of Dale, Tunnicliffe, Swanson, Hume and Scarlett Bishop-Curtis. I'm trying to figure out in my, in my head how that shapes up. So you've obviously got Morrison, Raggett, Robertson as the three. Scarlett on the right of the three? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, if, if it's a three-four-three, then who would you have? You'd have Bishop up front, and then presumably Scarlett and Curtis as the two slightly behind him, and then you got Dale and Hume as the wingbacks. Yeah. Uh, but then where does Swanson go? Is Swanson playing in the middle? Swanson has played there before, but yeah. unless you play Dale at wide up front, but I don't quite get how that works. Weird. Unless he's playing slightly in behind the, the three. Who knows? We'll have to look at it as it progresses. But what is interesting from that is that Danny Cowley is trying something different. I was, I think, about 10 minutes ago, Fred, and it's great how podcasts age over time very quickly, isn't it? When you said that he's probably going to trumble along with the 4-4-2 until Yeah, I know. Until say, well, well he, he might try it in these last 20 minutes. We'll concede two goals and he'll never use it again. We'll, we'll look. Let's hope that doesn't happen. All right, let's get back to what people are saying. Cowley's Cow's messaged in and says... If we stay playing within ourselves, I don't see us getting playoffs. If return to early season confidence, football and energy, we've got a chance. Don't have natural link-up players in the final third. Why we rely on Pac, Lowry and Jacobs for creative spark and struggle to break deep-sitting teams? So, yeah, we, we need more creativity up front. And, you know, in, in behind him, I think is what he's saying here. Um We've seen it earlier in the season. Yeah, and it has to come from, from the wingers in the 4 2 That's just where it is. If you want those steady two centre midfielders that do a little bit of everything, because I think I know there's a lot of creativity when Larry and Pat were together, or given that, but yeah, they have to actually have someone to pass to when they collect the ball and the movement off the ball has to be reasonable, which again, how many times have I been going mental over movement of the ball being bad and saying that's the difference between good teams and bad teams. I think if someone has PO forecast bingo, I think me saying there needs to be better movement off the ball has to be on there. Add that into number 10, Cam, other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Rafi Roymeshin, he says, in my view, if we continue playing 4-4-2, we need a left winger in a similar mould to Dale as good as Curtis or Coroma are, in my opinion, they're not wingers and they're not providing enough assists. I completely agree. Completely agree, Ruffy Roy. You're on the same page as us, mate. Let's just, let's just hope it changes. That's all we can say from there. And maybe this formation change gives Danny Cowley a different look and he goes with it in the game on Saturday. Dave Laura messes in and he says, if we get to January still on our current path, then we need a new striker. Either that or actually give Piggott some minutes in the league. Sonny says strikers aren't the problem. It's creating chances for them. What is the problem? Fred, you touched on the fact that Cowley said he wanted a fourth striker. Is there any point getting another striker if you're not going to get any service to them? It depends what short striker they are. If they're more of a deep-lying striker, not a target man, but a striker who, who whenever the ball goes to them, it sticks and they can roll a defender and then bring the wingers and... Bishop and, a, and an inside player on the left into play could work. Um, the totty of League One is what you're after, right? <laughs> essentially, essentially. Um, the Piggott thing does need bringing up. 
because in the league at any rate, I know Scarlett scored in this EFL Trophy game before today, but before that he hadn't scored since the 2-1 against Peterborough. And then whenever Pickett comes on, he gets brought on with a quarter of an hour to go. And really, is that the time? Is he giving enough time? Yeah, or less. And that's not really the enough time, really, for a striker like that. Um, and then so if you pick it in a few of the cup games he has played, he hasn't been brilliant. But would it be worth trying Piggott and Bishop against MK on Saturday just to see how it is for a full 90 minutes, see what the link-up plays like. And if it's not there, then change it again for the next league game. That might okay. be an idea. But can Piggott... What does he add? Does he make those those runs in the channels, which we talk about all the time? Is his move off the ball reasonable? Does he drop deep to support the rest of the play? Or is he a bit too similar to Bishop, where he's just a focal point number nine? Not target man, but like you know, a focal point number nine where you wait who you provide with chances. It's a bit strange. The thing about Piggott is, I remember again Sheffield Wednesday when he peeled off and put that great ball into the box, and you know Colby Bishop got that that header. I sort of feel that if those two are going to work, Bishop has to lead the line and Piggott has to play off him a bit. So that means that I want Bishop on the shoulder really, and Piggott coming collecting the ball a bit more, uh, and then playing some little clever movement passes around to create space. That's how I see the two of them working. But when I have watched them play together. They've looked like two players trying to do exactly the same thing in the 4-4-2. Forest Green springs to mind, I thought. That was a situation where I watched them both play and thought they're both trying to do the same thing. They're not offering much different. I see that Bishop actually sort of plays different a bit himself. He sort of pushes forward a bit more without Scarlett there. But in that situation, Piggott needs to to peel off a bit more, I think, and, and create that. But could see it working, but it hasn't really worked so far, but we'll have to see how that goes. Pumping director messages in and he says, I think if this is our bad patch, the most League One teams go through, then we might come out of this okay. Echoes of Sunderland's draw syndrome, and they turned out okay. I do think we need a strong January transfer window, though. Missing some magic to link up the midfield and the forwards. Fred, we just, do we just need two new players? Get a new left winger? Get get a new a new cam or someone who can create some magic in behind. Whether that's a in false nine in a in that sort of creative player mold anyway, and then we're good to go. Problem fixed. I think those are the two key ones, key positions. I don't mind the Cowley idea of the four striker, as long as it's somebody reasonable and not just a body to bring in just for rotation. I think the right link-up play striker with Bishop, if you don't rate Piggott, is fine. If you want to look for that and you find the right option, then that would be good. I want to pick this idea off of you. What about a right-footed centre-half who could bring the ball out of his feet exactly and what do I was two touches say. Yeah. <laughs> and spread the play out wide and switch the play quicker? Because I know Sean Raggett has most of the time been fairly good defensively and his play with the ball has improved. But he's not ball playing centre half and never will be. That's just it's just how it is. And then, but if you bring in that player, then you can have that option to play in the back three or back five if you want, and let Sean Margaret sit in the middle and do what he's good at. I think if you find the right ball playing centre, right footed centre half, then it brings up a world of options. But only if you find the right player, though. There's no point in forcing it at this point, considering it's really a luxury format, luxury buy compared to the left winger 
a midfielder who can play deeper but also be a creative force a bit further forward and a potential replacement for Dale if that comes up if he's recalled those are those are the three main ones aren't they with the four yeah. striker and the right foot centre half being able to I think the right foot centre half would be nice and shout out to Joff as well who's been banging this drum for a while actually in our in our group chat about the idea of uh... he, 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 he's, he he basically agreed with us in a, in a, in a more impolite way than we did though <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, but that would allow us to play three at the back. Do you think it's a bit weird with a three at the back then playing Morrison, Raggett and Robertson in a three? It's it's not very mobile, is it? I think there's room to exploit that if you're an opposition side. Ideally, in a three, you have the one centre-half where it doesn't matter if they're mobile because they man-mark the key striker and they win all the aerial duels. That's what Raggett is. I think Robertson passing wise makes up for the fact that he's not the most mobile sometimes if he's on the if he's on the left side. I know Govi also fits on that left side as well. He's definitely mobile because he's played as a fullback. But I think Morrison might fill Raggett's role a bit too similarly. If you look at the back three and back five anyway. Put it out there another way of looking at it then. And this is a bit of a controversial one. I'm sure I'll get some pelters for it. Swanson's played on the right side of a back three. If you if you had to play him on that side, it could be done. But then you lose him going forward on the other side. And yeah, wing back yeah, we don't have any we don't have any wing backs otherwise. So you then have to buy a right wing back <laughs> to do that formation. So you, we'll you could DOS in there, Fred, couldn't you? Get yourself out there, right wing back. Uh, my, my position's left back on the bench, you. I think I think that's where I'll stay, I think. Yeah. I'm I'm holding midfielder in the dressing room. Um John Tucker messaging and he says Cowley needs to change the four four two. I think we're on board with you here, John. I think we can feel this. And I think looking at the game now, he's trying something new. So hopefully that feeds through into the cup game. Toby Rivers messaged in and he says things can change, but we do need the injured players back. That's hampered us for the for a while. Plus, I'd be happy to see the back of Coroma. That's the last comment from Toby there, Freddie. See the back of Karoma. No, it's not just me. At first, Andy thought, "Oh, we're bashing Karoma for being bad," but I'm hearing it in the in the stands across social media. He's had a good he had a good first two games. So I thought, "Oh, here we go. That's another great option on the left wing." Similar to Rowan Curtis, but hey, it'll fit. But looking at his advanced numbers and the way he's played in a lot of games, it just doesn't seem to be a fit, does it? Could be a player you could bring off the bench, I suppose, in one of those, you need a goal, you just bring on as many goal scorers as you can and take off a defensive player and throw him on as a luxury player. I could see him potentially then, you know, making a bit of an impact in the fact he could shoot in that situation when you're sort of desperate to get a goal, you throw him on, you take off a defender and then maybe adds a bit of value there because he can shoot. So that that's his, that's his best thing, isn't it? His best attribute is shooting. So maybe you could do him then but when you're actually trying to set up tactically for a whole game to make a system work the way we're playing right now he just doesn't fit into it last one actually just realized da, da, da. andrew messaged in and he said he gave us a formation and he said something like this it's a 4-3-3 he's gone griffiths swanson raggett robertson ogilvy and a four and then he's gone Tunnicliffe, Pack, Curtis in a three. And then he's gone Scarlet, Bishop, Dale as a three up front. Now, the one thing that flags massively there is Curtis. 
playing in a three. three. I don't think he's ever played in midfield centrally ever. To play some sort of devil's advocate, his actual dual stats, I believe, are pretty good. They are pretty good. But would you play him as a centre midfield? Football manager speak a centre midfielder on attack where you basically just let him be like a box to box, go all the way forward. If a striker holds up the ball, I guess. Then he's playing Scarlet out wide. Which he seems exactly. to be doing in this game. I don't Not know exactly a winger because he drifts in. It's a bit too weird for me. I don't know why. That might be me being harsh, but. I think you have yeah. to see it to believe it. I think you have to see it to believe it on that one. Thanks, everyone, who in. Appreciate it, as always, everybody. We spoke to Liam, friend of the show. He's been on the show quite a few times from the top MK1 podcast, MK Don's podcast. Usually be on the show with Liam. It's been a uh, us lot battling for a top six finish, or you know, how are we going to compete with the might of MK and the way they play? They've always been a difficult team to play against. This season's not gone quite as well for the MK Dons. So we checked in with Liam to see what's going on with MK and to preview the game on Saturday. So here's Liam from the MK1 Milton Keynes podcast. All right, I'm here with Liam Connolly from the MK1 podcast. And Liam, thanks for coming back on the show. No worries. Pleasure as always, Hugh. Yeah, good to have you back on. And in previous years, it's been a bit more of, should we say, a competitive fight between the two clubs. And I actually expected you guys to be right up there in second in my predictions in the league, actually, for the season, which some people have, like, you know, reminded me of <laughs> occasionally, especially by direct message. But What's gone wrong? We'll start at that. We'll try and break it down into play-by-play sections because I've gone through some of the, the data on it as well. But what's the overruling sort of feeling at MK of what's gone wrong? I think there's... Well, I mean, I think I think the issue is no one has the true answers. Let's, let's be honest here. I think that's why we're still in the situation we are in. I think from our perspective, there's probably two things that you can put, point your finger on that probably contribute to the most on the pitch anyway. First thing is quality. The players have recruited... They may be good in a year's time, but right now they're not, they're not good enough. And we're playing Newport now and we're hearing some of the young players just being, they're winning, they're winning against Newport, but they're being bossed about a little bit. And I think they're just, they're just too raw. From the likes of uh, Connor Coventry, Troy Parrott, you know, some of them had line spells before, um, but they've also had a Premier League academy to go to who have roughed them up a bit and actually got them ready for men's football. Whereas some of these Irish lads like Burns, Devoy, um, et cetera, et cetera. They've been in Irish academies their whole life. You know, they've got talent, but they've not got that like physicality to them and a bit of grit to them. And I think we've seen that. And the one times where they have shown a bit of grit, they've got red cards. So it's um it's a difficult watch. And yeah, it's 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 such a, it's a weird thing to go from having probably your best chance win ever, your best couple chance win ever, to probably one of your worst. Um so yeah, I think I think the recruitment side of things and getting the quality of the door has not been there. Hence why we're still in the relegation zone. I mean, we do show some signs of quality, like Watford away, um, Oxford away, a couple of away trips this season, doing quite well. The consistency's not been there. I think the consistency's been really, really poor. We never take a step forward, it's always two back. With Barnsley the weekend, probably one of the worst performances this season. Really, really poor. Couldn't get anything going. Players look shot of confidence. And yeah, just just can't get anything going, which is it's baffling, really. And, you know, I think the only thing that is keeping certain people in jobs is probably the, the, the cup form, um, which is funny enough what we're talking about today in the FA Cup. But, 
you know, we're, we're still in three cup competitions. You're probably going to be the Papa John's next round, also round of 16. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if that's what they want, they want the cup competitions, fine, but we need to pick up points. And, you know, we've managed saying the same for a month now. We need to pick up points in the league and he's, he's not doing it. He's got one, one league with a nine. Obviously, this isn't a league game, but it still matters um, to us a lot. So, yeah, it's difficult at the moment. Is there a lot of extra pressure under Liam Manning from the board and fans? Is, is it expected there would be a decision imminent or are they going to trust it to uh, the end of the season? I mean, I think I personally think a decision would have happened a few a few weeks ago in October, to be honest with you. Didn't happen. Um, they gave a bit of faith and fully enough. After that faith was given, he picked up a few results. Now we're back in a position where you know, bad performance in in the, from the reports in Newport are the fact that we're winning, but we're playing shit. So, apologies swearing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not great. It's very cool. Yes, it's not great. So, I mean, listen, the bread, the bread and butter is the league, right? So, if we say, I don't know, lose to you guys in December, for example, in the league, and we still haven't picked up any wins before that. You've got to look at it going, January's coming up, we can get some new plays in potentially. It's not going to fully fix the issue, but it might help it. Um, listen, I love, I love Liam Manning, he's a fantastic bloke, but I'm just not sure he's the right man. And we're not, we're not seeing a lot of change, which is the big thing for me. I feel that, as I said, we, whenever we see a step forward, it's always two or three back and the players can't seem to get it together. Um, and... Of course, if you, I'm sure if you ask the players what they think of Liam Manning, five different players give you five different answers. Yeah, it's it's not fun. And it's probably, well, on and off the pitch, probably the worst time the club's had in a little while, to be fair. And I think the club's had a habit of dragging things on a bit too long than they should do. And we're, we're very much on the point where, are we in that situation again? Do we change things up? And if so, who goes and why? When you say, do we change things up? It's interesting because MK always had quite an established way of passing, that sort of patient build-up and then that sort of way of playing. If you made that change, it'd be interesting to see whether the club think that when you look at the numbers, whether maybe it's something that they change and bring a whole different way of playing in, because I'm not quite sure. Or do you bring in someone to sort of kick off where you left off, I suppose, last season? I mean, just looking at your chance creation, I, was just, I put this down as why aren't you creating chances? XG and open play, according to Opta, um, 7.72. Uh, scored 12, but that's that's last in League One and open play. Uh, and set plays, 2.01, scored three, again, last in League One. Um, so that's penalties not included in the stats. But is it just a case then you just need to completely change the way you play in order to tr- create some chances? Because that must be incredibly frustrating for the fans to watch you create pretty much nothing, really. Oh, I mean, look at Saturday. Like, we, we scored, but, I mean, the goal was an absolute joke. I mean, luckily, I my eyes at top. He's probably... Honestly, one of the best strikers in the league because he can finish anything. But yeah, we're, we're not we're not doing anything. It's it's a really frustrating watch, as you can imagine. It's and it's they seem to just click in certain games. And funny enough, it seems to be the cut games this year where they seem to click. I don't know why. Is it the pressure of the league potentially? Uh, obviously, you know the team finished second. Well, sorry, second, third last year. Should have got show in the league really. I didn't. Um, obviously, some of the lads are still there from last season. A lot of lads weren't there last season, so there's a bit of pressure for there from them, potentially. But I think I think the ethos of the club will always be the MK way. So possession football, progressive football, you'd hope anyway. I don't think I'll ever change Rob Winkerman's there. You know, again, rumours of him selling clubs been banging on a bit on again, and he said unless a billionaire comes in, he's not going to sell, which is 
of course, I think it's classic Pete Winkleman over the top statement, to be honest with you. Um, in the past, I've had Red Bull come in for us and I'm still of the belief that will happen again. I think I'm one of the few that believe that, but I think that will happen. There's obviously some regulations about, they can only own a certain amount of European teams in um, in Europe, but I don't. I think with MK Dons right now, that's not going to matter because where we are in League One. So, um, yeah, I think to answer your question, I don't think the ethos will ever change that much, but I think, yeah, you look at the coaches, staff and and the recruitment team's not had a great time. It's, yeah, the club, the club's at rotten at the moment, I won't lie to you. So, it's difficult to get behind anything and I think you'll see in the attendance for the Pompey away game on Saturday, it won't be high. Interesting to the lack of creativity then because looking at the two centre midfielders last time, Josh McEachern and Bradley Johnson, well, on paper, they both have a range of passing. I've seen it around before. Are they just, they're just not linked together in the midfield or is um, it a conference thing or what? I Bradley Johnson for me is, he's probably the least MVP honest player I've, I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm not sure why he was signed. I, I'm, I really don't understand it. And he obviously still plays games. Don't understand why either. Um, he'll go. He'll go to games and score two goals from like 30 yards and make up for like 10 bad performances. After that, his his range of passing is really, really poor. Um, probably the, from a pivot midfielder, probably one of the worst I've seen in the club ever. And that's saying something. That's some bad plays at this football club. Um, but then the options behind him, even Robson showed to get going this year. I think we saw bits last year, but. I don't think he suits that role. Dawson DeVoy's too young. He's a player there, but he's too young and he's he's too weak to play with that centre midfield too. So there's a lack of options. I think McEachern is still a very good player, but end of the day, he's he's a good player for a mid-table League One team. I don't think he's a player who's going to get you promotion. I feel like Connor Coventry last season helped him out massively. You know, he's like a mini Declan Rice in that midfield, to be honest with you, in terms of how you play football. And there's a reason why he's getting into Europa League and sorry, Conference League and Premier League squads this season it's because of he is that good. So I think chance creativity, um, just the lack of playing through the lines, really. I think that's the main thing. I think our players up front have either been injured or just, again, the ones that we've replaced, ones that we've replaced to sign Twine and things like that haven't just worked out just yet. They're too young and they're too, just not ready for men's football just yet. So yeah, it's, it's a tough spot and I I think it takes more than one window to solve it. I don't think we solve it in January, but we can certainly help things and I'm hoping that there's plans to get that sorted sooner because yeah, some real, real bad issues going on. I'm interested in how Dawson Devoy's got on. He was a player that I know Pompey had a look at as well um, in the previous transfer windows and, you know, 20 years old from, from Bohemians, I believe when you signed him. Yeah. He was a player that I also highlighted, a player with a lot of potential. Is that still potential then being the key word there and not a player that potentially is ready to play in League One? Yeah, the whole debate for Devoy for me was, is he going to play in like the, the six or is he going to play in the 10? So the main thing we've seen is in the six. I, for me, I think he's too weak for the six. I think he needs like a a bit of a bully next to him to really counteract his his physicality at the moment. Obviously, he's a young lad. He's going to grow. He's going to mature. So that will change in a few years. But right now, it's he, he's not getting there. So, yeah. So we don't really play with a 10, though. That's the issue. We kind of play with two... Well, I think Manny might call them tens, but they're more they're more forwards, quite frankly. So it's, it's it'll be two forwards alongside Moai, so we'll Grig and so we're kind of playing a system that potentially doesn't suit Devoy that well when he's having to try and build his role up to what it used to be potentially at Bohemians and 
it's not working right now. Definitely a player there, really good range of passing. Um, obviously, he's, he's young, he's keen to get onto the ball, which I really like. I think him and Burns are really good players. So spending the money on them was a, the right decision. I just feel that, you know, would a change of personnel at the club get him into a better role potentially and actually make him more useful? Potentially. So what's the main MK Don's threat then coming into this game? Since you've basically bashed the team for about the last 10, 15 minutes. Is, well, it, yeah. is there anything for Pompey to actually look out for? Because, well, Pompey have only won one out of their last nine league games. So we're not necessarily oh, in brilliant form. Join the club. Join the club on that front. Um, exactly the same. But no, I think on, on that day, this Don's team, if they actually just... The times where we've seen Don's play well this season, when they've actually stuck to the game plan that Manning actually wants them to play to and not get threatened by the occasion or lose their heads a bit. And, and that's usually just... Keeping the ball on the ground, playing progressive football, playing through the lines, and people that can stretch the play like Mo Isa, Nathan Holland, Louis Barry, and then allowing your players like Devoy McEachran to run at the field, create space around the field, get in the box and score goals. I don't think it's a complicated system to really implement. Obviously, these lads are very young, so it's going to take time to get them used to sort of certain situations, things like that. But overall, I think I'm the minority here that I can see this this squad getting somewhere this season. Obviously not playoffs, but you know, mid table probably. But they just need to stick to a game plan and hold it together. Cause some of them are just I think mentally they're just not there right now. And it's tough obviously losing the games every week. The fans are on your back. They they can't even say can't even clap the fans because they're that embarrassed by the performances at the moment. So it's these cup games to them are giving them like they give a bit of a break and a bit of confidence in the side, I think. So you probably you probably will see a better Don's team than you maybe expect, maybe I expect in some senses for this cup game on Saturday. But yeah, it's more just sticking to the game plan that Manning wants to, which is playing through the lines, progressive football, using McEachran and voice how they're meant to be used and not like just battering Rams, quite frankly. And um, hopefully we get a result. Who knows? If you, if you guys don't turn up and continue playing like this and we went through the stats about chance creation... Pompey's stats have really been padded from the first half of the season because we can't create a chance easily as well. I mean, we only had one shot on target in the last game against Derby and that was right at the end of the game. And it, to be honest, calling it a shot on target was it was stat counting. It, it basically just dribbled into the keeper and he stopped it. So it's not going to be one for the neutrals, it sounds like, a little bit, unless one of the two teams can really turn it around. And I think both teams will be coming into this game potentially looking at it like it could be an opportunity against another team who aren't maybe creating enough to try and kickstart this season? Would you say that they might look at it like that, coming to Pompey? Yeah, sounds like that. Magic the FA Cup, right? It uh, it throws up some surprise things and two teams that can't get winning, winning the league go to Fratton Park and hopefully try and get a result there and get to the third round. Yeah, I've seen stranger things. I think, I think obviously you guys are the favourites being at home, having the better squad, quite frankly, let's be honest. But hey, listen, obviously, I think last season... It's always a completely different team from last season. We go into Fratton Park, but I wouldn't be shocked if we turned up. To be honest, it's a squad that would kind of do that, that type of thing. If I'm being completely honest with you, so yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, let's get into the little juicy bit. The Liam, we discussed the attacking output of both teams and how it's going to be an incredible game to watch. People should, you know, switch off the TVs. Who cares about the World Cup going along? Because Pompey versus MK, the teams that can't finish a chance anywhere on the pitch apart from a little bit lucky break are going head to head in the FA Cup so I want to know your score prediction Liam and any goal scorers please buddy wow um, yeah this is probably the toughest score prediction of the season to be fair 
Um, the main thing for me is Adon's going to show up. And that has been a question I should not have asked myself that many times this season. I should, I, I imagine I would have because we are just unfortunately that poor. Ooh, I think we do. Two on Dons. And hopefully if he plays, Mo will get both. Mo Isa. He, he is a good player, to be honest. I can't, you know, how he's, many he's, our only, he's one of our only good players. One of your only good players. He's a great player though, isn't he, at this level? Yeah, honestly, on his day, he's one of the best strikers in the league, 100%. Without yeah. a doubt. All right. Well, we'll have to see how that goes. And I'm sure we'll have a bit of banter over a message on the build-up, <laughs> Liam. But thanks again for coming on the podcast. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find them? I guess they already know this because they've already listened to it before with you being on the show. But tell people where they can find you. Um, and then also Fred's going to be on your show tomorrow. Yeah. So if you want to hear about a lot of negative football and uh, all that all that jazz, but also about the World Cup, things like that. Um, yeah. MK1 podcast, as I mentioned, we'll have Fred on um, for the Thursday episode. Just chatting about Pompey and obviously us, but... Yeah, that's no, good fun. Good fun. Nice one. Thanks a lot, Liam. Speak soon, buddy. No worries. Speak in a bit. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, bye. Thanks, Liam, for coming on the show. Freddie, it's not been an easy game ever, has it, against MK for Pompey? Their wing-backs have got forward really well against us. We've struggled to you know, get our foot on the ball against them. But this season, and looking at how they're playing at this moment in time, the loss of key players, Darling, Twine, whoever you want to say, the, the top key players they had, this should be a game that Pompey should be able to come into it and potentially book our place in the third round of the FA Cup. Well, you'd hope so. And I think a key thing to take away is Liam mentioned multiple times that a lot of MK, MK's attacking players, they're not physical enough. Dara Burns and Dawson Devoy being some. I think our back four should be able to deal with that, really, with just the way it's set up and just how physical it is. Also, pack in the centre of midfield. And if then and if they don't have the range of passing that I assume they would do through the centre of field from Bradley Johnson and Josh McEachern, then Poppy should be able to stifle them fairly well. Because they're not they're not a side that's going to sit back in the penalty area because that's not how they play. They will want to also retain possession so Pompey can play a bit more on the counter, play quickly, make the attacking the attacking route simple, playing the ball down the channel, that type of thing. So it could be, and even though it's a back three or a back five where they might overload the midfield, a matchup-wise, it might be good. But the problem is, I've been so cynical about watching Pompey for the last few games, I don't trust them yet. <laughs> I don't want to back them to win the game, even though <laughs> my head says, oh, this, is, this, this could be reasonable. But my heart says... No, I don't, want to, I don't want to give them any credit whatsoever until I see it. I haven't decided which way I'm going yet, to be honest. Probably good that I jump in then while you make your mind up on which way you're going to go with the score prediction. But MK don't press either. So it's going to be really important that Pompey get meaningful possession when they get the ball. So that they're not sort of just sort of knocking it backwards really slowly, allowing the wing backs to drop in if needs be and get creating the same problem we've had before. If we can change it up a little bit, pass the ball faster and use that sort of strength in midfield through pack, get balls forward, attack them directly, I think we could be in a pretty a pretty good situation. Again, we gave it the stats against Liam there, you know, the, the bottom of the league in open play and set play XG. 
So I don't expect them to create a shitload of chances against us, really, Fred. And it's going to be a situation where we need to give our strikers, and it's the same as everybody week, isn't it? But we need to give our strikers the chances and just be able to put a couple away. MK aren't a high-scoring team, and we just need to take a few chances, shut up shop and bish-bash-bosh into the third round. But it's never as simple that watching Pompey, is it? And we haven't been creating these chances, Freddie, so why should it start now? Yeah? I'm yeah, going to ask. Much. I'm going to ask you first of all. Do you think that Cowley changes the formation up and goes with this experimental Papa John's trophy formation that he's gone with in the second half now, or do you think he sticks to the four four two, plays it safe, and hopes that it comes good against MK? Uh, the latter. He's sticking to the four four two in this game. Okay, I will, uh, I will buy you a pint if he switches the formation. You'll buy all the listeners a pint if you change the formation. I'll buy you specifically a pint because ah. you'll be at the game, presumably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't get paid oh, that much to give all our listeners a pint. That's bullshit. Nowhere near. What's the news pay you? 70 grand a, a month or something? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> all right, let's get into it, mate. Let's round this podcast off. And I'm going to ask you for your score prediction, please, for the game on Saturday against MK Dons and any goal scorers. Well, I said heart or head. I'm going to go with Hart on this one. Uh, it's going to be a nil-nil draw and it's going to be a replay. <laughs> no side's going to, neither side's going to correct anything. That was my take. That's exactly my take as well. Um, I'm going to go nil-nil, yeah. Until until proven wrong, I don't see us scoring any goals in, in a game against a League One side. So, yeah. Nil-nil. That must be the dullest prediction both of us have ever done. <laughs> This Andy's not here to bring out some sort of utopian uh, prediction of Pompey changing it round and and winning three now, is he? No, no, he's not. He's too he's too busy looking for ghosts and haunted houses. That's why he's not here. He loves those TV shows, most haunted. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, he, he he said he he said he was looking to bring his DVDs out again. So yeah, that must have inspired him. Spooky DVDs or home videos, whichever one it is, Andy Mitchmore, bring them along. All right, and <laughs> Freddie, it's been awesome chatting to you on the podcast, bro. Always a pleasure, mate. And uh, yeah, hopefully see you on the at the game on Saturday, which I'll still be going to regardless of anything else. And until next time, play out Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!